Well, this morning, um, my sermon title is Bursting Barns. (laughs) Bursting Barns. Um, When I think about barns, (laughs) of course, I remember our time on, excuse me, our time on the farm. And um, towards the end of summer, uh, we would have the hay miles filled all clear to the roof. And it was always one of those things, you, you know, you have this big mound of this open floor by springtime and you start the harvest and you start filling it in and filling it in and filling it in and then you get to the first rafter and it was sometime after we hit the first rafter that my dad decided to get a a um, what's one of those escalator not an escalator a conveyor conveyor and uh, we could just throw it on there instead of heaving it up to the first level and then heaving it up to another person and then another person taking put it in place at the very top. You know, it got kind of crowded and hot up there. <laughs> but our barns were bursting. And I remember uh, one year we, uh, a guy talked us into, we, we would um, share crop, I guess you would say. We would uh, um, cut the hay and, you know, it was on their field and we wouldn't pay. We would give them a third. Well, this one year, um, this one guy was, uh, his barn was empty and we gave him his third and it was, you know, threatening weather. So we just put everything in his barn and we were going to come back in the winter and pick it up. Well, we went back in the winter to pick it up and he sold it. So, <laughs> so needless to say, we didn't share crop with that person any longer. But um, it, it, it's interesting, you know, our barns. How big are they? You know, I I thought, you know, when I grew up, we had about 130 acres we owned, but we farmed close to four or 500 acres. And uh, when I was out in South Dakota this summer, the farmer that was next door, he had a cabin there by our daughters, and he farmed 6,000 acres. (laughs) You know, and I was just thinking, wow, imagine the barns that would have to have to contain, and he had he had grain silos. We had silos for some to feed cattle, but he had grain silos that were three or four times bigger than the ones we had at home, and that was just in one spot he had these silos. So, you know, it's all kind of relevant, I think, as to how big is our, how big is our barn? And is it, is it wrong to have bigger barns? Should we have a smaller barn so we can be, you know, kind of small in our uh, approach to life? Should we have bigger barns that we can feed all, feed all of our livestock? You know, I, I, I never understood it completely, but I, I do now, looking back, that you wanted a barn full, and you wanted the silos full, and you wanted all these things, the granary, the oats and stuff full, because that's what was going to feed your cattle for the year. And when you think of our lives, where do we have our trust, and where do we have our, our barns? What is our barn? You know, where is our stockpile of goods do we have a bursting barn or do we have a a barn in need of repair or have we left it uh, you know i i've been in places where the 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 you know i wouldn't i wouldn't want to eat the stuff out of their barn you know they would sell it in the granaries and things the wheats don't want that their their place was dirty but anyhow what type of a barn do we have well in luke chapter 12 verse uh 13 to 21 this is a story of bursting barns, <laughs> and um, we, we could call it perhaps the story of the greedy farmer, 
but we, I call it the, I'll call it today the bursting barn. And now greed is an intense and selfish desire for something, especially wealth and power or food. Hmm. So greed is an intense and selfish desire for something, especially wealth, power, or food. Now, because we have a big barn, does that mean we're selfish? Because a guy farms 6,000 acres, does that mean he's selfish? And we farmed 100 and we farmed 400, does that mean we weren't selfish? You know, so it's kind of, it's kind of and we'll find out in the story uh, what we have here as to what this is all about. So someone out of the crowd said, and they're talking to Jesus, they said, teacher, order my brother to give me my fair share of the family inheritance. Now, I don't know if you know about families, but often when it comes to inheriting things, <laughs> there can be lots of trouble. <laughs> uh, there can be, you know, well, I, don't even, I mean, uh, if you don't have a will, make one. <laughs> well, I don't have that much. doesn't matter what you got. Make a will. Um, I will all of my stuff to Pastor McGee. See, that's just, <laughs> you know, if you don't have a will, make a will, you know? <laughs> and they'll be looking at the will and say, who is he? You know? <laughs> but, uh, no, we need a will. But you need to have whatever you have. You need to have it going somewhere because if you don't put it somewhere, the government's going to come and take it, and the people who should have it will have to fight for it and spend all kind of money to get whatever it is that, that's there. So don't go on without a will. So here we have this, um, that's, that's a little advertisement, okay? <laughs> a little thing for life, have a will. Um, so the, the person confronting Jesus here is, he wants Jesus to, you know, it's kind of like Solomon, you know, uh, which child is yours? You know, the, the lady comes in with this baby. Uh, there were two women, two mothers, and they had uh, babies, and the one mother rolled on hers and, and suffocated the child, and she took the lady beside her, her child, and the two women go before Solomon and say, you know, both women were trying to take the one child. And so what do you do? Well, Solomon, you know, he looks at that and he says, well, just cut the baby in half and give it to two of them. Give half to each. And we say, well, you know, <laughs> that's not a thing to do. What did the mother do? The mother said, don't kill the baby. I'd rather the baby live than so give it to her. And Solomon said, you're the mother. You see, in, in wisdom, there are things that we can look at and, you know, building bigger barns or bursting barns that these can be good or bad. And it doesn't matter on the barn. It matters on something else. He replied, Master, uh, what makes you think, Jesus said this, what makes, Mr. He said, what makes you think it's any of my business to be judge or mediator for you? So Jesus is kind of taking a step back that, that he is, he's saying to them, what are you, basically, what's going on in your own heart? What's the mediator here? Is it, is it greed, or is it really what it belongs to you? Well, speaking to the people, he went on. Take care, Jesus says. Protect yourself against the least bit of greed. Protect yourself against the least bit of greed. Life is not defined by what you have, even when you have a lot. So you see, greed then is a selfish desire, an intensely selfish desire. So when we're looking at that, Jesus is saying here to them, don't let, do not allow any bit of greed to be in your life. Now, 
the greed, is in, as we said, is intensely selfish. And so when we begin to um, look at this, we see what the next verse says, Then he told them this story. The, farmer of a cert- the farm of a certain rich man produced a terrific crop. Now, some um, harvest, <laughs> sometimes harvest is very difficult. Sometimes things, everything that can go wrong goes wrong. You know, we had, um, like I said, we farmed somewhere between four and 500 acres, and we, we, we had at least, a, we had well over 100 acres of corn. And in the middle of the corn harvest, tractor caught on fire and burned up. So, <laughs> what do you do when your tractor catches on fire and burn up? Well, you go get another one. But there's not always one to get. <laughs> There's not always the kind you can afford and the kind that will fit the corn picker. And, you know, so your harvest is stopped. And here you are in the middle of your harvest. And how are you going to bring in the rest of it? Sometimes it rains. Can you imagine what the south is going through? The farmers down there that they have their crops. Their, their crops are just flooded. So here you are, ready for harvest, and there's this, all this rain and mud, and you won't, be, you won't get in the field for a month. And then it's going to be past ripe. So we look at things, and sometimes, sometimes crops just come in good. Sometimes it's just a really good growing season, and everything falls in line perfectly. And sometimes everything that can go wrong goes, does go wrong. My, my uh, sister-in-law's family, they're farmers. And um, they have, I think they farm well over a thousand acres. And they have had more trouble than I, I, you can shake a stick at. I mean, everything that can go wrong goes wrong. They had a silo fire last year. I mean, they just filled it up and it's, their silos clear full to the top and it catches fire. How do you put out a silo fire? Well, you get, is it ivory liquid or joy liquid? And they put it in the water and they blow it in there as foam and it smothers. How far down does the foam go? And cows are eating things and blowing bubbles out their nose. <laughs> that cow's blowing bubbles, yes. <laughs> and you squirt the milk and it goes. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> see the things you learn in church, you know? Yeah. So you see. When business is good, when you are financially secure, when things are growing quickly, do we think of God? When everything's going good, is it a time to stop and be thankful? Well, the idea here is it isn't that there's anything wrong with this farmer. You see, the problem is in his attitude. It doesn't say anywhere that he's a selfish man. It doesn't say anywhere before this that he was a greedy and, de- and deceiver and cheated people out of, their, out of their land and work and everything else. It doesn't say he, he didn't uh, pay his workers well. It says that he had a year when everything went right. Everything was good. It is a good year. And how do we know that there's something wrong? It is my crops in my barn, my surplus, my gain, and it's all for myself. Yes. 
<laughs> you see, it's me and my. It's all about me. It's, you know, the, and so the attitude of the farmer is what Jesus is looking at here, not the bursting of his barn. Because it could be in the drought, it's all about me. Well, we would accept that. We would accept that if it was all about the, you know, while well, he's, he's got to provide for his family and his crops and his, his animals and his household and things like that. So he's got to do all this. We would say, well, that's, that's a reason to, you know, to be selfish and so on. But Jesus looks at us and he says, when does thankfulness start? When, does it, when is it time to be thankful? When is it that we are to approach the harvest in a spirit of thanksgiving. You see, we have Thanksgiving coming up lately, it's generally after the harvest. Uh, we sit down and, you know, have a meal and all that's, that we have. You know, the pilgrims did that, of course. They and the Indians and everybody got set down and they had turkey and dumplings and mashed potatoes and gravy and... <laughs> Amen, yes. Yeah, so... We, we look at this, and, and, and Jesus then is basically he's challenging us in this story here. When is it time to be thankful? It, it, it isn't that we have a great harvest. There's nothing wrong with a big harvest. In fact, that's what we want. You don't plant a garden to get nothing, right, Bob? You don't plant a garden and expect for, I hope it fails. You know, I can't wait for the worms to come and eat all my tomato plants. <laughs> I can't wait for the bugs to eat all the roots so they fall over dead. You know, no, you plant a garden and you look at it, you, you work it, and Bob even has 220 wire around the top to electrocute anybody that comes near. <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> he shares his tomatoes, yes. Uh, he brings his harvest. He was going to give them out before church, but I said he's not allowed. So, you know... Tomato, you know, he has his little garden and he has fence around it to keep the, the squirrels and the groundhogs and everybody else out of it. And, uh, but we see in our lives that we, ha we protect our crops, rightfully so, or somebody would come and destroy them. So God isn't against bursting barns. What he's challenging us is, when is it time to be thankful? And when is it time to look beyond the crop to the one who has given us the crop, the abilities to do all of this. You know, um, <laughs> bigger is not bad. <laughs> I always like big things. You know, I, I, I look, uh, I can go down the road, and if I see a combine, I'll stop. <laughs> yeah, I'll stop and look at it, and Rondo will see what's so interesting about that. But you see how big it is, you know. And uh, one... A couple of years ago, we had, uh, I was traveling somewhere, and these, these big self-propelled uh, forage harvesters, you know, they got six, eight rows, and they're just going through the cornfield, just grinding up the corn and blowing it in the trucks and the wagons behind, and it's like just, just sitting on that power, and just, you know, I like that, <laughs> you know, but, you know, I, I, I don't have one for my yard, but... You know, but you see, the farmer's foolishness comes not from enjoying life, but from forgetting God. He is foolish because he, he, he sees what he has 
as being his and his alone, and it is for his betterment, his life, his enjoyment, and it is all about me and my and mine, and everything else can just, you know, and God, he, what did he have to do with this? You know, there's a, a, a joke where the preacher uh, went out to visit the farmer, and, uh, and the preacher's telling, my, look at how great God is with that cornfield and how good it's growing and no weeds and things. And he goes, and look at that hay field, how God has blessed it with the, the green and it's growing so well. And he look at the pasture and the cows and look how great God has blessed the pasture and the cows and, and, and the animals. And the farmer says to the preacher, well, you should have seen it when God had it by himself. <laughs> so... You see, whenever we look at this, God has given our life to being able to take care of what he has placed in our possession. God has given us the ability to take care of what he has placed in our possession. And whenever we start looking at what we possess, we don't want to see it in a matter of tearing down barns and building bigger barns. We want to see it in a possession that we are thanking God for the gifts that he has given to us because in these gifts that he has given to us, we're going to be able to share. So uh, in this story, he says that he told them the story. The farm of a certain rich man produced a terrific crop. He said the farm of this rich man. It isn't the rich man produced the crop, the farm produced the crop. He talked to himself, farmer did. You know a farmer's outstanding in his field. You have to think about that for a minute. That's one of those jokes, he's outstanding in his field. He's preacher standing in a field, farmer standing in, okay, got that? Okay, <laughs> the farmer is out standing in his field. What's he doing out there standing in his field? Okay, so anyhow, <laughs> he, he talked to himself. That's what made me think of this. He talked to himself, and this is, the, this is the guy who is looking at his crops and what the farm has done for him. He says, what can I do? Now, he doesn't give any credit to the, to the ground. He doesn't give any credit to the weather. He doesn't give any credit to anything else but to himself. What can I do? My barn isn't big enough for this harvest. Then he said, Here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll gather in all my grain and goods, and I will say to myself, Self, you've done well. <laughs> I am so good, you know. You know? And I, I think in our society today, we have this, this air of, you know, it's all about me and mine, and look how great I am, and, you know, let me kiss my pictures, and let me tell you how wonderful I am. And, and it's, it's as if we have done this by ourselves. but you know, we are all standing on the shoulders of somebody else who's gone before us. We've all, we're all standing on the shoulders of someone else. Because if we, we are not starting out from scratch, we're starting out from what we've learned and what, what God has placed in our heart and mind. So you see, you've got it made. He looks at himself and self is telling him, you've got it made, you, you can now retire, take your ease and have the time of your life. You know, it's all about me and my and what I'm going to get out of this and guess what happens? Calls, God calls him a fool. Why? Because tonight you're going to die. And who's going to get your stuff? You see, stuff is not as important as the person who owns it. Whether we got a little or whether we got a lot, stuff is not neither good nor bad. It's what it, what it's, 
It's the attitude of the person who holds it. <laughs> and we find that whenever we look at what we have, we're seeing how that God has blessed us. So that's why in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 12, uh, we'll read some of those. It says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Trust. Trust someone greater than yourself. <laughs> so we're learning how to trust God with what we have planted. You know, a farmer has to have great faith. If you don't have great faith, you wouldn't plant a crop. You wouldn't put a tomato in the ground if you didn't think, a tomato plant in the ground if you didn't think you were going to get a crop out of it. You plant because you believe that something is going to grow from it. And so Proverbs says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Trust God from the beginning of the, from the, beginning of the planting season. Don't try and figure everything out. Don't try and, uh, and make it all fit, you know, and how that this is, I don't understand how this, you know, how does a plant grow? The seed has to go in there and die to and grow. I, you know, do you understand that? doesn't matter if we understand it, that's how it happens. Listen for God's voice in everything you do and everywhere you go. So I am looking for God to be with me in everything I do, everywhere I go, and in all these things, give thanks for this. If we learn how to give thanks for the good things, we'll learn how to give thanks for the not-so-good things, and that we are knowing that God is going to take the good things and take them somewhere, and he's going to take the bad things and take them somewhere, and they're all going to fit together for a divine purpose and good. So trying to figure everything out on your own won't work. Listen for God's voice. That's still small voice in here. You know, it isn't somebody standing behind you going, David, <laughs> no. So he's the one who will keep you on track. Don't assume that you will know it all. Run, from, run to God and run from evil. You see, it goes on to say, your body will grow with health and your very bones will vibrate with life. Honor God with everything you own Give him the first and the best, and your barns will burst. <laughs> so you see, it isn't that the guy's barns were bursting, and that's why he, he was, he was a, a bad person. He, you know, God has promised that our barns will burst. <laughs> God himself says, I want your barns to burst. God wants our lives to be fruitful, to multiply, to, to, to you know, God's in the multiplication business. You plant one seed, you get an ear of corn. You know, you, you plant and it multiplies. God's in the multiplication business, so he wants our barns to burst. He wants the things that we plant to grow. He wants them to develop and, and to blossom and to become more than what we ever imagined. So it's not that your barns burst, that it's a problem. It's the attitude of the bursting barns that really counts. You see, Proverbs says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. You know what's really hard? You take the first of what you get and stop everything and go give it to God. Now, that can be sitting in the field, stopping the harvest and giving thanks for the entire harvest. What it's doing is saying, to God and to ourselves, I believe that God is going to bless this harvest. 
I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't look good. doesn't whatever. I know that God is going to bless it. There is one place that God, they were expecting a freeze and uh, the fruit trees, or it, was, it was an orchard of some sort. The guy owned a couple hundred acres of, of, uh, of fruit trees and there was a heavy frost coming and uh, he told all of his fellow farmers that he was going to pray that God would bless and protect his crops and they all laughed at him. Well, after the freeze, his was the only trees that didn't get frozen. The ones on all around him, on all the borders, froze, but not his. The next year, they wanted him to pray for their trees. <laughs> you see, we, we, we look at what God has given us, and we're asking him to bless it. Not that, you know, oh, I'm not worthy of this, you know, here's your, here's your plants and the farms, and they're growing and they're doing very well, and you go, well, i got to burn half of this because I'm not worthy of having a full harvest. Who would do that? Who would say to God, thank you, you blessed me too much, let's just destroy half of this because I don't want my barns to burst. That's humility? That's not humility. That's being ungrateful. <laughs> God wants to bless us. Can you imagine showing up in heaven and says, you know what, I only want a half of a double house. <laughs> you imagine, you know, the old coal, in the mine, coal mining villages, you know, in Wimber, you know. Can you imagine 10 people living in a half a double house? They used to do it all the time. I can't live in a house with two of us, you know, you know, or four of us, you know. And here you have 10 people living in a half a double house, and you've got 10 people on the other side in a half a double house. Where does everybody sleep? You see, it's not easy to trust God with the first fruits. <laughs> wouldn't it be easier? Wouldn't it be easier to uh, finish the harvest and then worship? <laughs> Thank you, God, for all that I've got. <laughs> you know? It would be easier, but he doesn't want us to take it that way. He wants us to start off being thankful in, in the very planting, in the very beginning. Let us pray over the seed. Let us pray over the planting. Let us pray over how that God is going to bless it and nurture it and grow. You know, then on Isaiah 26, it says, And at that time, this song will be sung in the city of Judah. We have a strong city. We have salvation city. He's telling us that we have a salvation city. We live in a place where God dwells. Where's that? <laughs> your heart, your life. You're in a place where God dwells. God is dwelling in our hearts. He's dwelling in our lives. And that's why he wants us to honor this temple. You know, don't treat it like garbage. It is a sacred place. Not because you're in it, but because God is in it. And so we're asking God to give us wisdom. We're asking God to give us understanding. We're asking God to give us faith. If any of you lack faith and you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who won't withhold it. <laughs> he won't hold anything back. Depend on God to keep it because the, in the Lord God you have a sure thing. So in God it is a sure thing. Putting it all together, God is in place. God is working with us. God is there at the very beginning. This farmer that has 6,000 acres that he farms, none of his children want to do farming. None of his kids want to do farming. Now, if you sit back and think, 
How much does it cost to put 6,000 acres of seed in? How much worry and stress is it if there is a hailstorm? How about if there's no rain? How about in harvest time and you got to get everything in in a short period of time before winter hits? The pressure of getting everything done. Not starting too early, not starting too late. They don't want to live with that pressure. They don't want to live with those millions of dollars at risk every day. You see, in our lives, we deal in eternal life. We deal with eternal life and eternal blessings. And God wants to bestow upon us things that we can't even imagine. Blessings and wisdom and guidance. He wants, to, he wants to bring into our life the fullness of his joy, the fullness of his spirit. He wants to bring into us that which is going to help us and help others live forever. And he places that in our hands and in our lives through our voice, our touch, our presence. When you speak, when you pray, when you're here, everything just seems to be okay. You see, Jeremiah 33, verse 2 and 3 says, This is God's message. The God who made earth made it livable and lasting. Know everywhere as God. Call to me and I will answer you. I'll tell you marvelous and wondrous things that you could never figure out on your own. So here we are at the beginning of harvest, the end of harvest. Bring it all to me, and God is going to help us. You'll never figure this all out on your own, but know this. <laughs> I'll never leave you, and I will bless you, and I will cause the harvest to come. Honor me with the first fruits. Honor me with your gifts and your prayers, and, and honor me with the, your, your belief that I will cause all things to work together. Honor me by just starting out and saying, thank you, God that you are going to burst my barns. <laughs> you're going to burst my barns. You're going, to give, you're going to bless me in a way that I will be able to bless others. <laughs> so if we thought in that perspective, how many people can we bless? How many people's lives can we affect? How much good can we do for others? Well, we can't do it with our little barn. Well, God wants to burst our barns, not burst your bubble. Burst your barns with goods that we can do for him and for others. And God has always blessed us as a nation because we've always been, almost always been the ones to bless other countries, to bless the needy people. When disaster strikes, people want America to come because we have an attitude of helping and caring and restoring and taking what we have of our, of our goods and giving it to someone else. So here we are. So what does God want us to do? He wants to burst our barns. He wants to burst our barns with wisdom and blessings and relationships and harvest. The foolish farmer is all about self. The wise, gifted farmer is about blessing. And no matter how much we got, it's never enough to complete the task because there's so much good to do.
Amen. Shall we stand? <laughs> thank you, Father, for blessing our lives. <laughs> I was going to say thank you, God, for bursting our lives. <laughs> thank you, O oh God, for bursting our lives with blessings and how that we have so much good to give and so much encouragement to give and so much hope to share. God, we got so many things to give into the lives of others. We are blessed beyond measure. And Lord, we somehow think that it doesn't matter that much because it belongs to us. But God, it doesn't belong to us. It belongs to you. And so, Lord, we thank you for the gifts you've given to us Help us, O oh Lord, and allow us to share with others and burst their barns with blessings and fruits that will add increase to their lives. Thank you, Jesus, for blessing us. Amen? And God bless you. <laughs> Amen.